What's going on, coaches? Hopefully you guys are finding ways to uh, be productive, be not around everybody, but be productive. And, and I know there's a lot of football stuff out there, so um, which is, is a silver lining to this whole thing. So if you need anything from us, you can find us on Twitter. You can hit us up on email, uh, coach at runthepower.com. You can find all of our stuff, uh, our podcasts, our videos, our articles, everything over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talked with Tom Branken. Coach Branks is in the running for the most interesting man in coaching as he is an assistant men's golf coach, a certified public accountant, and a gun tee offensive coordinator. Listen as we talk with Coach Branks about his fun and flexible gun tee offense, his experience as a golf coach, and his unique idea for coaching clinics, talking ball in the brewery. You can follow Coach Branks on Twitter at CoachBranks10 and on his awesome website, CoachBranks.com. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, let's go ahead and get it rolling, Coach. So how we always start this thing is have you kind of introduce yourself and, and kind of give us, uh, you know, your football journey, if you will, from, from uh, you know, playing to coaching and how that brought you to where you are now. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I've, I've thought about this after listening to you guys so much, and I probably have the most unique journey because I never played the game. Um, I, was a, I was a high school golfer, a college golfer at Valparaiso University, and uh, was always around the game. But when I got to high school, at uh, Brother Rice on the south side of Chicago, I was five foot two and about 80 pounds. And uh, Catholic League football doesn't take kindly to guys that small. So Not a whole <laughs> lot of positions for you. Yeah, you know, and I grew, I grew up playing everything, you know, basketball, baseball, football, you know, Pop Warner, I was the quarterback, the safety, you know, I was that guy, you know, the shortstop, the pitcher, and then uh, just stopped growing completely. So took up golf and uh, I graduated high school. I was five, six. I walked into Valpo, you know, three months later and I was six foot one. And, uh, you know, so everyone assumes I played, you know, when they see me coaching, I coach hoops and I, I coach, uh, I coach college golf now for the last two years, but even coaching football, you know, you're out there slinging the ball around the kids think I played somewhere and I'm dead honest with them. I'll tell them, no, I didn't play, you know? Um, so my journey is probably a little more unique, uh, especially, you know, now I, I'm coaching college golf, but I'm still, you know, really involved with the, some of the high school programs around here in Northwest Indiana and even Chicago. Um, you know, just trying to keep myself sharp, you know, with my system and stuff and, uh, you know, just staying involved for that next opportunity. And right now I'm still doing the, the Division One coaching thing for golf. But, um, you know, if I get another opportunity with football, I, you know, I might, if it's a good one, I'd probably jump on it. So definitely a different one. You know, you, most people wouldn't expect on this podcast to hear that I haven't played, but, you know, the passion for the game is amazing. It, you know, I, I didn't coach anything until I was 40 years old. Um, 
started coaching high school hoops. So I've coached high school hoops for 12 years up until this past year. This is my first season off. Coached high-level AU with D1 kids, um, you know, and then kind of done it all. And, you know, if you're, when you're a gym rat like me, it doesn't matter what the sport is. And I'm competitive enough that, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And, uh, you know, one of the things, too, you know, from not playing, you know, when I was a coordinator, I was a coordinator right away. Um, boy, I had that fear of that guy in the stands that I didn't want him to be able to say he doesn't know what he's doing because he didn't play. You know, so I think that drove me to learn from everybody and really expand my knowledge. And, you know, it still comes down to numbers and schemes and, and technique and relating to kids. So yeah, that's, that's like coaching any other sport, but just the best chess match in sports is, you know, is football. Well, coach, I am a, uh, a horrible golfer. Um, so I can just, you know, speak on what I've heard at walls is actually pretty good. And, and I've got family members that are decent, but, um, you know, from, from everything that I think of when I think of golf is obviously, uh, is physical, but it's a huge, you know, mental game. It seems like, um, and kind of going through that, is there any parallels that you've brought over to, uh, coaching football, uh, when it comes from some of those mental aspects of, of, uh, you know, golf your whole life and, and now being a collegiate golf coach? Oh, absolutely there is. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things, too, people – I get asked a lot by, you know, the kids, like even the college kids I coach in golf now, they're like, Coach, what do you like the most, you know? And uh, I like them all. And I think coaching different sports, you know, and I, I've never coached track. I've never coached wrestling. But, you know, as a football guy, that would be great. Um, every sport brings something to the table that you can bring to the next sport. I mean, specifically, like – you know, college golf's tough. It's an individual game within a team sport, you know, so you're standing on a green with a kid who's got, you know, a five foot downhill slider, you know, that's going to move, you know, eight inches to his right. And he's got a couple teammates that are waiting for him since his last hole. And, you know, you could have a tournament on the line. That's a different kind of pressure right there because nothing's moving. You know, he's just standing there with his own thoughts and, you know, he's supposed to make it. And I think sometimes when things aren't moving and you don't have something else to concentrate on, it really becomes mentally, you know, a tougher, tougher deal. The similarities, I would say, are, are the pressure to, to perform. I don't care what the sport is. Um, and, and the challenge as a coach for me is always to have them prepared, whether it's your quarterback, you know, to be able to read the defense, whether it's just him to be under control, under pressure. That's no different than working with golfers, too. Um, you know, it's a different sport, but boy, you know, when you're competing, you know, that self-pressure is a big deal. And you've got to be able to, in competition, be able to, you know, turn off all the thoughts and put it on automatic. And, and in any sport, that's the goal, you know, that you just react to it and react and, you know, make correct decisions. So it's, it's really no different in that perspective. It's just in one sport, things are moving awfully fast with big dudes trying to hit you. In the other sport, you know, there's just a little golf ball that's, you know, smiling at you. So many, so many of the great players, whether it's football or, but you know, you think of Michael Jordan and, and um, you know, Tom Brady and, and all you know, Bill Belichick and all these big time coaches and players on basketball or football, or it seems like the really great ones, almost all of them, it seems also play golf, whether they play it well or not, you know, those two obviously play it really well, but whether they play it well or not, a lot of them play a lot of golf. Any, any uh, thoughts on, on maybe why that is or, or what that appeal is for some of those uh, superstar athletes to, to gravitate so heavily to golf, you know, either in their off time or sometimes even, uh, you know, before games, it seems like. 
Yeah, actually, that's a great question. I've never been asked that, and I've never really thought about it. But as you're talking about it and the names you mentioned, you know, the Michael Jordans and Bill Belichick's, the guys who are, you know, ultra competitive and at the top of, you know, their field, whatever that is, whether it's playing or coaching or whatever sport, um, I think that competitive drive to be that great shows up in, you know, just playing golf in any round. You know, I've played since I was, you know, a sophomore in high school when I took the sport up. And I'll tell you right now, at 51 years old, I've never played a perfect round of golf. So no matter what you do, how well you play, you know, you post a score that's the best you've ever had. You, you can ask, you know, Coach Walls, it still ain't good enough. You're still going to think you left something out there. And, uh, you know, as a coach or as a competitor, you know, has anyone ever played the perfect game? You know, you probably haven't. So if a guy's going to drive himself to be the best of the best in, in anything, Golf's kind of natural, you know, and it's a great question. I never thought about that, but, you know, you never play a perfect round of golf. There's always going to be something that you could improve. I thought for me, and again, you know, everyone's got different tastes and things like that, but I loved being able to go out there on a weekend, especially during the season. And I think you could get away from football, but then there was still, like you said, the, the competitive aspect, but, also for me was being able to like compartmentalize like decision-making. So as a play caller, right. And you've been a play caller, mm -hmm. Coach Harper's called plays and I've called plays, you know, having to be able to like calculate situations, you know, am, am I in a good situation to take a shot? You know, am, am I, am I laying in the fairway? Can I go for it? Can I not go for it? What's the risk reward? You know, okay. I, I'm not very confident right now. What's the best layup? You know, how do I manage the course to me? that's the the funnest part of golf is just you know yeah it, it's play it as it lies but then also having that that strategy built in and then also still you know you have to know quote your personnel you know I have, I have to know mm -hmm. I have to know how how I work the ball can, can I hit this shot you know how far can I hit it just to me all those different calculations and factors just it, it kept you sharp mentally it, it kept you competitive but at the, at the same time for me it, it felt like just a a really cool place to to just get away from the game for a little while and, and kind of recharge the batteries. It, it was, it was the best of all worlds for me. And, and, you know, being in Iowa now, I, I certainly wish I could play a lot more. The, the right. season's so short, you know? Well, what's kind of funny, I mean, I'm thinking about it more as you're talking about it is just, you know, there's nobody else to blame, you know, compared to, so it is different, you know, when you're coaching, you could have the best play call in the world. And if a kid misses a block or your running back falls down, you know, you could be like, oh, that, you know, it just didn't work out. Where in golf, there's no one to blame but you. And so from the competitive standpoint, you know that your success or your failure is on you. And sometimes that's good to get away from the team stuff too. Um, so I could see that part of it. And like I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with being on a golf course either. I mean, that's, that's a great place to be. Yeah. And it can get you away from some of the other pressures. But, you know, when you mentioned about being a coordinator and calling plays, you know, it's – I guess I see a parallel there too, because like you said, you're going to take in wind direction. You know, what's my yardage? Where's the pin? Should I be hit middle of the green or do I move the ball to the, to the pin? Um, but then once you get over the ball, you better forget about all that stuff and just pull mm -hmm. the trigger and have the confidence to do it. You know, no different than when you're calling plays and you know, it's third and four from the, from the five and the play you thought you had on second down didn't work. And you've got to be able to be automatic in your thinking and be able to just get in that zone where you've done all the prep work and now it's showtime, you know, and there, there's nothing more exciting than that. So 
I could see some similarities. That's a great question. You guys are making me think about golf. That's good. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew walls would be all over it. I got into it, you know, like I said, uh, maybe six months and then I had to just get, be done with it. It was, it was just, <laughs> eh, I'm kind of like that sometimes, but then I was out of it. But when I was in it, it's like all I could think about was a, a couple of different swings or a couple of different things. And then it was taking up too much. So, so I had to get out of it and it was too frustrating to me when I did poorly. I don't manage that very well, so um, I got out of it. But yeah, um, when you when you get when your kids get a little older, you'll find more time probably. Too, <laughs> you've got young kids, so uh -huh. you'll find something to do when when you, they get a little older. So put the clubs away for a little while, and then you, know, you come back in a few years. That's right. I'll come back to it. I'm gonna have to get a like a JV uh, golf coach, though. That's what I'm gonna have to do because I think it costs too much. I don't think I can do it. But if I can go be the JV golf coach, and then I can go get out on the course and hit some balls for free. Hey, with the technology and FaceTime and everything, just uh, get on the range and FaceTime me. I'll help you out. You know? <laughs> that's right. That's There's right. There's lots of ways to do it these days. You don't have to go to a PGA Pro and be in person anymore. <laughs> so. well, well, Coach, so, uh, you know, like you said, really interesting. You didn't play football, now coaching it, which, um, you know, there's been some really, really tremendous coaches that haven't played football. Um, but – you also said, you know, you tell your kids pretty straight up, hey, I didn't play, the, I didn't play football, but I'm your coach. Was that ever a, a question in your mind where maybe your first few years you were like, ah, it's something I don't want to get out? Were you always really open about that? What kind of what helped you come to that decision? No, I, uh, I knew a lot. Luckily, the first job I got was in town here where I live. So my son was a uh, – what would he have been? He'd been a junior in high school when – he, he was on the football team my first year that I coached football. Um, and I'd already known most of the kids from coaching them in AAU basketball when they were in grade school and middle school. And then I, you know, was around the high school already even before my son got there coaching hoops. So, you know, I knew the kids from Little League. I knew them from Pop Warner. So I already had a relationship with a lot of the kids, you know, that were playing in the fo on the football program. Um, so I think there was a trust level. And again, if kids don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you played. I don't, I just believe that they got to be able to trust that you got their back and that you're going to put them in a position to succeed. And, and that's just like any other coaching, it's just relationships. So it wasn't a big deal for them to realize I didn't play. Um, now you also got to be able to sometimes go out there in seven on seven and, and throw some dimes on some people to make them believe, you know, but that's all right. Um, you know, we were, we had a couple of coaches where we'd get out there and do that. Um, I one of my best friends, Tom Crowell, was a Harlan Hill runner-up in the 80s at University of Indianapolis. So he'd go out there. He had instant credibility because he was, you know, just killing the kids when it came to seven-on-seven seven and stuff. So it was never a big deal. I mean, they trusted you. You know, we had some success. We were doing some cool stuff in the offense. And, uh, yeah, just I don't think that was ever a big deal. I don't think it was, you know, I don't think it ever mattered to the kids. Coach, what are some of the things you've kind of done, you know, offensively, knowing that you're, you're coming at it from, you know, kind of the, you know, I, I always say it, you know, you, you didn't have any bad habits. You know, you didn't play, you didn't have a coach that, you know, forced the, the double wing or some other offense right. down your throat. And, and you're able to kind of pick and choose and then maybe you'd look at it from, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to find some of the, the better things that kind of fit the, the talent I have. And, and you really don't have any preconceived notions or, or quote bad habits that you have to overcome as a as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, well, what what happened was when I I was already coaching hoops there at Highland and uh, at Highland High School here in Indiana, and so when the new coach who had been the coordinator before that got the head coaching job, 
you know, he says, Brink, and I want you to be the running backs coach, you know? So I'm like, coach, I never played, you know, I don't, I've never coached football other than Pop Warner. And he's like, God, you'll learn what you need to know. And we're going to wing T camp this summer. We're going to put in the wing T, you know, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And it's all Greek to me. I'll learn whatever you want me to learn. So we went to the national wing T camp that uh, Tom Herman and Jerry Gallagher and those guys do. Um, we took the whole team out there and, you know, within a couple of days, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, this system's awesome. You know, I really liked it. Now we didn't do the full Delaware wing T numbering system, but we took, you know, buck sweep and trap and, you know, belly and the counters and, you know, the blocking schemes. And I just love the organization and the system of it. And it had answers and things looked alike, you know, all that, all that stuff that is great about having a system. Um, so we were under center had a rough first year, but at the end of that year, we, uh, we won two playoff games in Indiana. Everybody makes the playoffs. So we won two playoff games and it was like, wow, they're starting to get it. You know, like it took that long though. But what bothered me was as coaches, I look back now, we didn't know what we didn't know. You know, I mean, it was, you think, oh, wow, we're on top of it. I look back, we didn't really know much. Um, You know, so then that, that summer I said that I coached, I said, I'd like to be the coordinator. I said, I want to dive into this thing and, you know, really study it and, and start studying other teams and stuff. And uh, he says, yeah, he says, go for it. You know, so jumped into it. And then that next, that second year, we had a little more success because we got a little more balance between strong side, weak side. We were a heavy strong side that first year. We just didn't know any better, you know, because the kids were learning on the fly. But what always drove me nuts was, you know, we, we played a left side and a right side. So somewhere in this, I might've been the beginning of the third year. Um, we talked to the kids. I was talking to the linemen. I always spent a lot. I wasn't the line coach, but I always spent a lot of time with the line guys. I just respect the heck out of them. And, you know, if they're not getting it done, nobody's getting it done. And I said, what do you, you know, do you guys get confused? You know, I'm watching film and every so often they go the wrong way. You know, it's a pure gap scheme, but they're going the wrong way. And uh, I said, what if you just became my strong tackle or my strong guard? You know, and you just knew Buck sweep to your side, you're down blocking. You know, on power, if you're the strong tackle, you're looking for a double team, but you're down blocking. And uh, they really liked that idea because our, all our kids, were, we had a lot of kids playing both ways. Highland had 1,100 kids at the time. So we had, you know, you're probably playing on any given Friday night, uh, probably 18 kids are getting most of the reps. You know what I mean? Because a lot of them are going both ways. So instead of me walking around with an index card that had the rules for that right tackle when buck sweep went to him or away from him, you know, or any other play, we just simplified the whole thing and started flipping the line. So that was the first thing I liked. They learned it quicker. Boy, you want to get an argument on a wing T website, throw that one out there because half the guys love it. And the other half think, you know, you're the devil for suggesting it. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, but again, it's like, what works for you? I mean, you got to make it your own and yeah. your program is, every program is different, you know? So, so that was the first thing I did. And then, then I noticed our quarterback just getting killed whenever we would try to waggle, you know, the answer to buck not working or trap not working is you waggle. Well, our conference is a pretty good conference, you know, a couple state contenders every year. And you know, he would go to waggle and there'd be a backside linebacker just teeing off on him. I mean, you know, I would call it and be crossing my fingers that he'd survived. And uh, I just didn't like it. So then I started looking into going uh, into shotgun. I'm like, this kid, he was, he was more of a running back than he was a quarterback. We put him in gun, and we, I still stayed true to wing T. We still ran 
buck sweep on the same path with the running backs. But what it did, it gave me another running back out in space. So I ended up with a slot that my running back would go be a slot. So I could, I could do a lot more. I could make the defense be a little more honest. And then I took all the numbers out on top. So my, my system has no numbers, you know, by the running backs. We don't number the play. So if we call, you know, power, it's Q power if it's quarterback, H power if it's the H. And they just know, you know, we're kicking out the last man on the line of scrimmage. So whether I have a tight end in there or not, the rule is last man on the line of scrimmage. So it might hit in B gap, might hit in, hit in C gap. And I just thought the kids would get caught up sometimes on numbering systems. You know, and the running back thought, oh, I got to run out there. And I, I, I really wanted to change that whole mindset. I said, why do I got to call, you know, my fullback 30? Why not just call him F, you know? If I'm going to do it anyways, I'll call it F buck or F trap. I don't need to give it the number. So my spin on the whole thing was when we started flipping the line, the kids knew power went strong side. So if, you know, if I'm in, I, I, from Paul Cornwell, a guy in uh, North Carolina at Aiden Griffin High School, he reached, I reached out to him because he had done a glazier. He sent me stuff. I mean, totally, you know, grateful for him to do that. And he had an east formation and a west formation. East was strong right, tight end wing. West was strong left, tight end wing. I still use that, you know, on my website and everything now when I talk. And then if I wanted to go two by two, strength left was clowns, strength to the right is jokers. I mean, and then everything else is modified from there. If I want to move a guy, he has a key word. So by, by making it a strong side, weak side offense, counters only go to the weak side power only goes to the strong side you know buck only goes to the strong side now weak buck goes weak side uh belly traditional wing t that's only going to go to the weak side so i never have to have a left or right call because the kids just know from the formation where the strength is hmm. and then the play call the blocking scheme is built into the play call and for those five guys or you know you want to say six with the tight end or seven with the tight end and the wing they just know how to block that play. They become experts at their side, you know, on power, my, my strong guard, my strong tackle. And in my Y, if he's there, they become really, really good at running power because they're going to see the same look, whether they're on the left or the right. Cause most of the defense around here flip their strength on their defensive line too. So you can get a feel right away. Of, are we better than them on the strong side or should we look into the weak side? Or do I really need to play with that defensive end by, you know, running a power, running a buck where we kick them down, you know, and then read them on a jet power read, you know. So I, th I thought it was a strength to be able to do that. Some guys will argue it's not, but we had, I had a lot more success. Even when I went to a school where, you know, the football IQ wasn't as high, um, the install took almost no time at all, less than it did when I was at Highland where we put in the original wing T stuff. So, so that was my take on it. It made play calling simpler. and. Uh, by not having to have left, right, you know, we didn't have to have two president's names for power, whether we we're going left or right. You know what I mean? Because I know that's what something people use. We just called it power, H power or Q power, or, you know, that was it. Well, and like you said, your, your kids can get really, really good at what they do. Right, because they're going to see similar looks, and, you know, they're going to see that most of the time they're going to see the same guy in front of them all night long. I mean, they really are. Um, and, and either they're going to win that battle or the other kid is, or they're going to figure it out along the way. And that's fine too. You know, coach, then when you guys got in the gun, so obviously, you know, uh, you know, I, I like that because, you know, if you have a quarterback that can run, I mean, it just multiplies 
you know, all, all the looks you're talking about. So, I mean, you, you mentioned basically five schemes, right? Power, counter, your, your strong buck and your weak buck, and then what belly I think would be your fifth. Yeah, belly is like a weak side B gap, that cross block, you know, and then out of the gun, you can run things like crisscross, you know, traditional wing tee crisscross, handoff, handoff. And, you know, we would do it in practice. We had a handoff, handoff, and out in space, pitched it back to the quarterback, you know, out on the edge. That was, that was pretty fun. And, you know, you could do things like a crisscross where, you know, we had the number one team in the state, you know, fourth and seven or, you know, and, and we ran a crisscross pass, handoff, handoff, and we had two guys over, you know, down the field because we were so run-based. Um, it sets a lot of that stuff up for you, you know, to, to it, I wouldn't even call it trickery. That stuff that's just built into wing T as a system. Um, but, you know, you mentioned what we're doing. We, I still like jet. That's, you know, we still run jet. We run jet par read where we read the end. Um, you can run option type stuff. You can still throw four verts anytime you want. Um, it's, the flexibility is incredible without changing the system for your players or season to season or even game to game. It's all built into it. You just choose what you're going to call. You know, that's a nice part of it. Yeah, those would be the part I asked you, you know, being in the gun, obviously now, you know, multiplies it because you can run the quarterback on all, on all those different ones and fake a jet, you know, faking one thing, bringing the blocking scheme the, the other direction with the, the, the quarterback. But now, obviously, it, it probably, you know, opens up the pass game instead of being under center and our only pass is waggle, you know. Right, right. I'm, I'm imagining you guys probably, you know, expand. I'm not, you know, not saying you go straight air raid wing T, but you probably had, you know, much more things you could do to, to break tendency or take advantage of some of those teams, you know, that are going to play, you know, their, their safety at, at four or five yards and, and let's go, let's go beat these guys over the top. Yeah. Cause one of them, what became my favorite formation that I liked the most is really a two by two. I mean, so on the strong side, I kick the, I kick the Y out and make him a wide out, but I keep my wing back in there. My stronger, I call him a Z, but my stronger wing back is still attached to the tackle. And then on the weak side, I'll have the quarterback and gun with a fullback with him. And then on the weak side, I've got a slot and I've got an, my X, my wideout. So I can, I've got a, a two by two look, single back. But my quarterback, like I said, is still a running back. So it's like having two running backs back there because I could run a Q power. I could run motions and run a, a Q trap if I want. I can go empty and still run anything with the quarterback, you know, according to blocking scheme. But the, the other thing that came out of it, and I didn't even think about it until it happened, was I didn't have the traditional quarterback who goes to all the camps and, you know, knows a seven-step drop and a five-step drop. And, you know, we would throw a quick game from under center, throw a quick bubble, and he'd hit, the, you know, the offensive tackle with the ball, you know, that kind of stuff. So you put him in gun where he's not going to take, you know, three steps. He becomes a much better quarterback, you know, because he's already back there and he's not looking at the line as he's dropping back, you know, if you don't have that traditional quarterback. Yeah, obviously, I think yeah, all the all the fundamentals for the quarterback get so much easier when you don't have you know linemen in your face. And you know, to me, you know, it's again, what do you want to practice? You know, some guys are, right. are purists and they're you know, hey, we we want to be able to throw it and do these things from under center. Well, that stuff's going to take a a long time, either in the off season or you know the the maintenance work you're going to have to do in individual is to me going to be nuts. Well, now all of a sudden you move him into the gun you know, okay, his footwork's going to be a little bit easier from the, the gun, obviously. He's going to be able to have more vision. And then now I have more time to, to teach him power read, to teach him, you know, how his, his landmarks when we're running the, the Q power, the Q counter. I mean, 
when I, when I add something, you know, it's always going to take away from something else. And I'm, I'm like you, I, I don't want to have to sit there and waste time to, okay, seat the ball, you know, get explode away from center and take a seven step drop. Okay. Now it's five big and now you're going to not hitch and throw it. I mean, to me, you're just like banging your head against the wall. Let's put them in the gun. Let's have two drops. Let's make it real easy. And that's, let's now, uh, you know, blow up our run game because now we're going to have so many ways we can read it and or RPO it. Yeah. And I, I was at the national wing T in Pittsburgh, the clinic, it's a great clinic two weeks ago. And I got into some discussions with guys and when this thing comes out, I might lose my wing tee card and have to give up a secret handshake. I don't know. <laughs> because, because somebody, I mean, I, if you, you know, there's teams out there that are still under center and they're pure, you know, I mean, they, they get it. Kids are running it in, in grade school, middle school, you know, in, in the community and, and they're just so good at it. It doesn't matter. But um, I just didn't like spending so much time on how to share the midline between the quarterback and the fullback just on trap, you know, because the fullback's route is within inches of the quarterback. If either one of them on the way back, you know, are across the midline, you're going to smack. So you got to spend a lot of time. We spent so much time on lines working on footwork that we got away from some other stuff, you know, that we we didn't get to pass the ball. We didn't work on a drop. Like, I mean, I honestly think, you know, teaching a high school kid a seven-step drop is maybe the most underrated skill good quarterbacks have how to take a great drop and still have vision and still have feel. Um, and if you don't have a pure quarterback, that's difficult. Putting him in gun solves some of that. But the biggest thing why the wing T guys might not like this is because we'll, I see it on Twitter and I see it on Facebook is they're all, you know, the wing T is built on deception. The quarterback's going to turn his back, put the ball in his belly. He's got a trap fake, and then here comes the halfback for the buck sweep fake, and then he's going to carry out his waggle fake, you know, and it all has to look the same. And they'll argue that when you go to shotgun, you lose that deception. And my argument is, all right, I don't give up deception. Like, you can't, you can't have an offense that is, has everything. It's just impossible. So you got to make a choice for your offense what works. And for me, my choice was I'd rather have the quarterback and gun be able to use all kinds of motions and, and use that as my deception because just because my slot running back is in motion towards the formation doesn't, that doesn't tell you that I'm going to give it to him. It doesn't tell you where I'm going to run if he does get it because he's got a bunch of different holes and blocking teams we can run. Um, so I'll take the versatility with my offensive line still keeping simple. They, they don't care who's getting the ball. They don't care about the motions. But I don't have to be smarter than, you know, the other, you know, 45-year-old defensive coordinator. I got to be able to sh- have enough bells and whistles and window dressing for that 16-, 17-year-old linebacker. That's the kid I'm trying to make everything look the same for, you know, while he's under fire watching the game from four yards on the other side of the ball. And I'm not sure they always see the ball anyways. You know, even when you're a gun, you can still hide the ball and, you know, use, use after handoff action by your quarterback to hold guys. So now I can hold guys because he can read. Guys have to stay home, and they can't just keep coming as soon as that quarterback turns his back. So, so it's a trade-off, but, I mean, that's, I'll take the shotgun versatility over the deception of being under center any time. Well, Coach, you know, it was kind of interesting hearing that, you know, you're, you're a basketball coach, AAU coach at times, um, and, and then the offense that you've gravitated towards – is the wing T when, when you hear people arguing against the wing T it's that they can't get any basketball players out 
and that's what they want. They want their best athletes out to play football, and and they have a, either a hard or impossible time selling that to their other athletes at their school. What is uh, what's your selling point? Um, you know, for kids to come out, uh, even though you guys do are a, a heavy uh, run schemed team. Yeah, um, I think when you go to the gun, they they can see that you have a better chance of throwing the ball because, you know, like I said, that two by two that I'm in, you know, I've got a running back with the quarterback. I've got a running back out in space. I've got a wide out out in space. And then I could even kick out my, what would be my Y, my tight end. It, you know, I was at East Chicago. That was a freshman wide receiver. You know, I didn't ask him to put his hand down and be the, the sixth offensive lineman. You know, he was a, he was a receiver and we threw the ball a little bit more. So we were able to get some of those athletes. When I was at Highland, I had a 320-pound tight end. So he put his hand in the ground. He didn't want to be a tackle. He was a three-technique on defense. He's like, Coach, I just don't want to be a tackle. Well, just in this system, without changing anything, I made him the tight end and played another <laughs> played another kid at, at strong tackle, you know, who probably on his own wasn't going to be the starter. But with the help of the, you know, the best lineman I've probably ever coached playing tight end, he was pretty good that year. And, you know, I would throw him the ball. He's a great kid. Um, and, and I would throw him the ball. I mean, he'd run waggle. He caught everything. He was an unbelievable athlete. Um, I even schemed the one time for that number one team in the state, and we played Lowell. I schemed all summer to throw a double pass with the 300-pound kid throwing the ball. Yeah, you know, we split him out and uh, put him on the sideline. We threw it to him and then snuck a, you know, a tight end with his hand in the ground over the top. And the kid had a cannon, and he just overthrew the guy, you know, the, on the route. Or we had we had that team beat. We had him beat by 20 yards, and he just overthrew him a little bit. So, you know, you, again, you could take this system. This is what I really believe in. And depending on your personnel from game to game with injuries or season to season, who, you're, who you really need to feature, or maybe you got a great quarterback, if you could have a wing T run system underneath a good passing game, you know, it doesn't have to be super complex to be effective if teams got to put extra guys in the box to defend the run. Um, yeah, that's the best part of all, best of all worlds. And really, shotgun wing T, you could turn on a, a college football game and see it show up at some point. It's just people don't call it shotgun wing T, you know. That's, it's, it's called the Gus Malzahn offense. <laughs> right, yeah, they call it gap scheme, right? I mean, it, it, I mean, gap scheme is really a lot of wing T. People just don't say it, that's all. I mean, it's, it's there. Coach, I'd have been, I think I'd have been putting that big kid um, next to the guard and calling him my, my whatever he wanted me to call him. Yeah, right. All right, right. you're not a tackle, but you get to be you're right. whatever. Inel what would you like to be called? You're right, well, ineligible tight end. <laughs> I'll call you that. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he was like, I want to wear 99. We're like, okay, you can wear 99. I mean, <laughs> That's right. And he, was, he, he had – that was his senior year we did that because his junior year – um, I did have a tight end, so he he played mostly uh, defense and then a little bit of offense. But he really wasn't in shape to play both sides of the ball. And part of the thing in the summer was, you know, you get in shape, I'll let you play tight end. I mean, we're, we weren't going to give him up on the defensive side. He was that good. He had a visit to Minnesota at one point, you know, somewhere along the line. I mean, he's really a great athlete. So the concession was, you, know, you get in great shape and prove you can do it. Shoot, I don't mind having a tight end over there that looks like a tackle when I'm running buck sweep and down and power. I mean, that's all right. And I'll throw the ball up to you once or twice a game. And, and he, they, like I said, the kid caught everything, so it worked. But 
Yeah, it was like, yes, sir, where do you want to play? You know, <laughs> That's right. What number do you want? What, what position do you want to play? We'll call you whatever you want to be called. Uh, just please play offense. And literally, he was one of those kids that was just infectious. You know, he's always smiling. I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't help but pull for him, and you wanted to put him in a spot to be successful. And, and, and in, in hindsight, it allowed another kid who might not have started a tackle to play a whole season, and he ended up being pretty good for us, you know. So, so it worked out for sure. But, like, you know, then I go to another school where I didn't have that kind of kid. So we kicked him out, and I had more athletes on the field. And we were in a two-by-two a lot. I mean, it's so you can get those basketball players out there, and it's an easier sell if you're not trying to operate your offense in a full booth, you know. Coach, you talked about, you know, how your first year you guys, you know, you, you didn't have a lot of balance, you know, overloading the strong side. You know, is that something now that, you know, you're kind of charting – you know, every single week, or is it something, you know, you you have built into the game plan knowing, man, in our three-game breakdown that the other team's going to have, you know, we have, you know, 75% of our runs are going strong. So, hey, this week it's going to be a, a heavy dose of, of some of our weak buck or counter. You know, is that, yeah. is that something you really keep tabs on? I definitely self-scout myself, you know, to see, all right, if I'm running H-buck, what formations did I run it on him? You know, because mm-hmm. – uh, I want I, I, I want to, as much as I can, I'll try to remember that stuff and almost set somebody up if I can. But the hard part is with it being wing T, everyone knew we were running wing T. Um, the hard part was trying to scout the other defense because we didn't see what we saw for the two or three games before that on film. Um, yeah. They were coming out with something. I mean, it might be eight guys within two yards of the line of scrimmage, um, you know, just in a cover three and they're pressed up on the outside with the safety in the middle at eight yards, you know. Um, so you almost, I, I always looked at film and I would just try to scout their personnel. I'd try to find a couple formations that I run, you know, on film to see how they lined up. But the beauty of the offense and the system was we're no huddle where we could be hurry up, but we didn't have to be. So we didn't huddle. We'd get, you know, we'd, we'd say, Hey, East, East, East the kids would be at East. Everybody's wristbanded. And then we would call the play based on what I'm seeing. You know, we had a game against our rival the one year. And at halftime, we just weren't getting it done, you know. But we, were, we had some success on the strong side. I, I remember I actually watched it on film the other day. We come out in the second half, and they literally had three guys on a weak side of the ball. I look, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, what are they doing? <laughs> like, they completely changed their whole defense. And so we just ran weak buck. We ran it twice. We went for 70 the first time and 65 the second time for two scores. You know, and like, so, you, so as much as you can prepare for people, it, it gets hard because you see different stuff. Now, the, the nice thing is compared to like basketball, you talk about other sports and football as an offense, I do to some extent get to dictate what the defense does mm-hmm. by my formations, by my motions. And I literally have a timeout every play. You know, we're in basketball, you don't. you got to prepare the kids how to play on the fly. And they got to identify everything. You don't get the timeouts. So I always, I always felt like calling an offense and football was easier for, to put your team in success because you get to kind – of, I mean, obviously they can still blitz. They can run stunts. They can do all that stuff. But you get to kind of set them up where you want to set them up. Or yeah. they got to give you something. And then it's on you as the play caller to have an expectation of what you're going to go to if you see this look or if they move this guy – to a certain spot, you know, and sometimes they're just better than you and it doesn't matter. I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's times. <laughs> right. That, yeah. You're, you're looking at your play. Somebody, I listened to somebody <laughs> last week or week before and I was chuckling because 
you know, sometimes it just doesn't matter. And you're just trying to get the next week in the fourth quarter, you know, like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with F dive sometimes, you know, just get in the middle where no one can tee off on you, you know, keep the clock um, going. Yeah. I and mean, that, that does happen. But, you know, of course the guy in the stands doesn't think that, you know, he thinks you should be chucking it when you're down 35, you know, yeah, that's right. Six minutes to go and your quarterback's been whacked about eight <laughs> times. And your, your old line can't stop anybody. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just funny, but it's fun. I mean, that's the best part of it. You do get a timeout every play and you get to set up an offense and, and, you know, your job as an offense coordinator is to be able to have an expectation. If I do this and if I run this motion, I expect, you know, X, Y, or Z, you know, and, and that's on you to be sharp. You know, that's the mental part of the game. That's what I think, you know, probably my favorite thing is about, uh, you know, high schools or colleges that, um, that will run a little check with me system where they look over at the coach and they kind of let him, you know, they're already lined up and they let him make a call. Um, and then what I think is a huge benefit in the NFL with quarterbacks checking runs is, is that you're never putting yourself in a bad situation. Like you said, it may not matter. You know, there may only be one guy, you know, on the left side of the, de- of the defense line and you've got a tight end and a wing and, and, but he's Warren Sapp. It's not going to matter. You're, you're, right. you know, you're going to lose, but, um, but at least putting your, you're never running against too many people or you're never Wait. putting yourself in a bad run when you get to do those things. Um, it just, as an offensive line coach, anyways, it just makes you so much more comfortable. Well, it's interesting because the year after we, we, we weren't like that. I want to say in year two, we weren't doing that. We were huddling up still. So in year three, I'm watching film of the year, you know, the game against this team, Munster, from the year before. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, why did I call that? You know, why did I call that one? What, what was I thinking here? You know, I literally was beating myself up so bad watching this film from the year before. I call my buddy, the quarterback's coach, and I go, man, my, my game last year was the worst ever. I mean, how were we even in contention, you know? And when he were, I'm like, look at play 55, look at play 56. Why would I run that into that? You know? And uh, probably for 15 minutes, this is going on. And he goes, wait, he goes, didn't we huddle up last year? He goes, we just went to the line with whatever play was called. He goes, we didn't, we didn't know what they were going to be in. And I'm like, oh, you're right. And so the difference was, I felt like we were in a better play 95% of the time than the year before, because we were able to see what they're in. Now they could shift and all that stuff, but you just have a better feel for the game and you got a little bit of time to see where you're at. And again, if you are down, it gives you a, a chance to play faster too, you know, by doing it that way. That's why, honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll still take it to my grave. If I'm calling plays, I want to be in the box. Oh, I love being upstairs. I, yeah. I, I agree I just, with you. I just, you, you can see everything. And it's like, you're saying, you know, that, that's where I, I can build my story too. So you're like, I'm going to line up in, in nub trips and I'm going to run, you know, our, our rhythm play or whatever run play we want to run just to kind of see how they line up to it most of the time. And if I'm seeing tendencies, like, man, they, they've only shown one look to this, and I'm already, like, I'm already thinking ahead, okay, that's going to be my shot play, or that's going to be my next play off of that. Or now you, you switch formations and you see, okay, here's how they're playing this receiver, or here's how, you know, you, you see where some of those areas they are, especially with, when you're, like you're saying, you know, if you are a little bit of tempo and no huddle and, and teams are running one or two defensive looks, I just felt like I, I could stay – you know, one or two steps ahead of those guys and be able to also kind of make notes rather than 
on the sideline in the chaos and, and then asking the guy upstairs, Hey, three plays ago, what blitz did they bring? Uh, right, I can't right. remember, you know, and, you know, or go back to the, you know, to the, the iPad and have to flip back through it. To me, when I was up in the box, it was quiet, you know, unless I was yelling <laughs> and, and just being able to, to see the whole thing unfold in front of you and be able to see where the, the weaknesses in the front were and where the weakness in the coverage was. I'll, I'll always want to call it from the box. Yeah, I, I love I, – I like it too because you have an expectation and all of a sudden you might even – you know, even if you've got a guy up there that's telling you stuff, you, he can't tell you everything that you can see with your eyes. I mean, no. you know, you, you can see a leverage, a bad leverage or a force guy that's in the wrong spot. You can take advantage of him. He might not tell you that because he's not looking at that. And, and you don't want him in your ear for, you know, 20 seconds either. So, you know, you want some of that quiet. I like upstairs. The only thing I don't like about it is, you know, when you get in those real, you know, smash mouth, tough games, you know, I love to be able to talk to a lineman and I got to wait till halftime to be like, all right, what's going on with that guy? Can you handle him or not? And, you know, when you're looking that kid in the eye at halftime, he can't lie to you. Well, I sometimes I wish I had that information in the first quarter, you know what I mean? But you can't have all of it. Again, you got to have a concession. So I'd rather be upstairs every time. Um, I don't know how guys call plays from the field. I really don't. I don't know. I don't know how you could see enough. Yeah. And then to me, it's always easy. I mean, you had, I had guys like Harper and, uh, you know, on the sideline guys that you trust. So, I mean, it always made it kind of easy and you could just, Hey, Hart, make sure you talk to this guy or, Hey, you know, hold, go talk to the quarterback or put the quarterback right. on. And then you'd, you'd be able to go with it. Like, Hey, next series, here's what I'm thinking. Dot, 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 you know, kind of be able to give him the, here's the four, three or four plays I'm thinking. And then also the same time, all right, Hey, this is going to be a check with me situation. Remember we're checking it to, to the shade. I, I always thought I felt like being up there, my, my thoughts were collected. I, I could have a better plan and, and be planning ahead, you know, you know, and having the technology right beside you there rather than on the, <clears throat> the sideline, you know, now it's like, okay, Hey, it's third down punt team, make, get ready. I'm, I'm starting to help them out, you know, and right. I felt like there's too many things going on on the sideline that, I would miss things, whereas in the well, box, I, just way better. Yeah, and I think upstairs you can you can have that moment where you're just mad because you, your guys just blew a play. And if you're upstairs, you can have that moment just yelling at your your quarterback's coach's ear and not affect the team. You know, you can have that ten seconds of just you know you're the you're more mad than you've ever been, and it doesn't affect the kids at that point because the only other guys hearing it is on the headset. And sometimes that's a good thing, you know, because you can get a little get a little personal, but, uh, you know, uh, the funny thing, I had a good story from, you know, thinking you're up in the box and you can see everything. Um, we were and two had just lost two games. It was a new program. We were building a couple of years ago. Uh, we go to a ranked team and we go out there for warmups and they have the biggest crown grass field I've ever seen in my life. And all the stands and all the press box are on the home team side and we're on the road. And I almost can't even see people on the other side of the field from ground level because the crown's so bad. So I get upstairs, we're on there, we're on a hash on the other side of the field, and I can't really see anything. I don't know where anybody is because once they get in position, I lost all my angle. It's a low press box, too. The press box only like 10 rows off the field, you know. And uh, so that was the game. I called the whole offense into our sideline. And had my quarterback's coach tell me where the defensive end was all night and the force, the force guy. And I don't know if they ever caught on that that's all we did was run to our sideline. It was just a matter of whether I was kicking that kid out on down, blocking him down on, on Buck, or reading him on Jeff Potter Reed. But I would say, hey, where's he at? He'd tell me what alignment he was in and 
we'd pick the play and go from there because I couldn't see what was going on at all. I never saw that side of the field. It was such a, a low press box with this big crown. They looked, they all looked like they were in a hole over there. It was awesome. You know, and, and, and he's like, you going to seriously just keep running this way? I go, yeah, they, if I can't see it, they can't see it. You know, they don't know what we're running over there. So it's just kind of funny. But, you know, so that game, we did call it from the field, essentially, you know. <laughs> I love your point you made about, you know, being able to get mad, you know, in the box. So again, it takes me back to golf, right? Okay. So, so when I play, when I play golf and I'll play, you know, with my, with my wife, you know, she'll, it'll be interesting sometimes. She'll be like, you know, I thought you loved playing golf, you know, but you'll, you'll get mad and you'll swear and you'll, you'll do some things. And I, and I, I've had to explain to her cause it's like, it's like you're saying, you know, sometimes, and you even watch some of the guys in the PGA do the same thing. Like, they get mad, they get it out, they get rid of that emotion. And then to me, it almost just like resets them. Right. So it's like, you know, right. rather than me, like holding it in, holding it in, waiting for that huge explosion, it's like, all right, ah, I, I get, I get rid of that stuff. And then it's like, Hey, Hey, remember you got another shot or Hey, Hey, remember right. you got to call, you got to call another play. I can't just sit there and dwell on it. To me, it's like, for whatever reason, you just, you, you kind of get rid of that anxiousness. You get rid of that stupidity, rid of that, like right away. The emotional, then, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you're, not on, it, you're not on uh, tilt, you know, like the old pinball machines. You're not freaking out, you know. You yeah, can come back she, to be normal. And she was like, and she is kind of funny because, I mean, again, you've, you've done it enough times, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, there you go. But then even then she's like, she'll even say it sometimes, like if you're not playing, she's like, hey, get mad, you know, let it, let it go. And then, boom, you're okay after that. It's like, all right, yeah, I feel a lot better. All right, here we go. You know, I got 150 yards out. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Drive two. All right, I I got it. We're ready to rock and roll now. Okay, but to me, I, again, I that just, that makes it makes perfect sense. I never really thought of it that way till you mentioned it. But yeah, get getting mad in the box way better than getting mad on the sideline. Well, because all you need to do on the sideline, you 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 yell at a kid when he comes off and he gives you the wrong look, and you know sometimes that's not what you want. You know, you're like, wait, what'd you do? You, it's no not your fault. You know, you do one of those things, and it makes it worse because now you're not going to stop. But um, you know, the biggest key to all that, and you, you, you mentioned it, is having a guy on the other end of the headsets who understands you and you're in it together. And, you know, you could have that outburst, like, you know, just letting loose. You know, my buddy Tom would be like, all right, you done? You know, I mean, as, as matter of fact as it could be. I'm like, yeah, I'm being a jerk. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, why don't you get your shit together for the next one? You know, um, and, and that's okay because then there's times yeah. he's like, he's down there wanting to go after the quarterback. And I'm like, Hey, settle down. It wasn't his fault, you know? And uh, so the, the key is, I'm, I think that's an underrated thing too. And when you're coaching in the heat of the battle is having guys on the headsets that really understand you understand the emotion and respect, you know, the, the level of competition so that you, you can have the outburst and it doesn't affect anybody. You know, it recenters you a little bit. I've always been a really calm game day guy. Um, and I think because I'm an assistant coach, you know, and, and to me, you know, maybe I see a few things during the game, but most of the time my job's done by Friday. I'm, I'm looking for a couple things, but I'm, I'm, you know, watching the game almost, you know, like I, there are some things to tell the guys and do some things, but I think a lot of times as an assistant coach, a lot of your job is during, you know, during the week and getting the guys prepared. Um, and so never, you know, Walls, you know, had his outbursts. Our OC now has his outbursts. And that never really made a whole lot of sense to me uh, until I started calling the JV games. And I, I'm like, you know, we, we call outside. I've got the perfect play. There's no way they can stop it. 
and then our guy fumbles the snap or our left tackle falls down and I'm just fuming and I'm I'm run it again, same exact play, run it again, and then it only goes for one yard and I'm over there losing my mind because that should be the perfect play and I don't understand why it's not. Yeah, and that's and Rowdy, that's JV. Now take it to a varsity game where you've put in something. Oh, I know it. That you're setting up for four weeks on film, just <laughs> just to run that in that perfect situation against a team that's ranked and you got them on the ropes, and a kid goes the wrong way or something. I mean, that's uh, there's grounds for some serious action when that happens. I mean, that's crazy, you know, because because it's so personal at that point, and that's why sometimes it's good to be upstairs so it doesn't stay personal, <laughs> you know. So I get it, but. You know, like you just talked about your job on Friday night. I mean, I always thought the offensive line coach has to be the best information gatherer on the offense. Mm-hmm. He's got to be the guy that can really communicate with the linemen about what they're seeing, what the guys are doing to them. Because I can't see that from upstairs. I mean, you can see something, but you can't see it all once that once the ball snapped. Where you know, did a guy cross the space or what's he doing? Um, I just think that the the old line coaches. He's the information gatherer, the whole thing. And if he's got good communication, you definitely got a, a better chance. I was never that animated. That's <laughs> was I, Harper? Yeah, you were. My, <laughs> well, you're talking I still, about still one, still one, still one we talk about all the time, me and Broyles, maybe <laughs> monthly, if not weekly, is five right, false start. No, 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 no. Walls is trying to call. We got to get a play called. And Walls is sitting up there. I guess we've had a few false starts and a holding. And and so we're waiting on the next play, and and Walls is going five right, false start. No, no wait, no wait. Let's go six left. Uh, delay a game, and we're like, wait, uh, we got your Walls, but what play do you want to run? That's where you just got to call a timeout on the field. Say, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you done yet, or what? You know, um, no, no, I just called power, and we were okay. <laughs> there you go. Twenty six. Yeah, well, and that's but, the thing, too. I mean, I'm a wing T guy, but, man, I love power and counter. I mean, those are just so pure. Because if teams are going to blitz a ton, Buck can become hard. Buck Street can get a little difficult on that front side mm-hmm. if your kids aren't. If they're um, pluggers, yeah. If they're not on their tracks, you know, like uh, I think you saw my tweets and stuff, the whole tunnels and walls thing. That was the other thing I changed when you asked, well, how did I make in mine is I got tired of all them rules. I mean, we just went – we went with – Inside wall, outside wall, in the tunnel. And in gap scheme, that works on every play. Um, so just stay on your tracks. I mean, it just makes sense. It's easy that way. Yeah, we, we loved – I mean, yeah, pin, pull, buck, whatever you call it, you know, it, it does get difficult when you have, you know, guys that are blowing up gaps inside right. inside the box. But when, when we saw edge blitz teams, like so many 4-2-5s were bringing – you know, either the, the strong the strong outside linebacker from the field off the edge or they were bringing, you know, the bandit safety, bringing him down off the edge. And, and when teams started doing that, like that was I, – I, I swear I could hear I could hear Coach Harper on the sideline licking his chops. He's like, when they start bringing, you know, outside edge pressure and they're, you know, bringing the guys underneath, you're, you're just giving us a natural tunnel like you're talking about right. for our guy to pull. So we – we loved pin pull into people that wanted to bring edge gas. One of my all-time favorite plays. Well, and and the whole tunnel concept worked with you know we said we'd say all right you got an inside wall. It became much more about the concept instead of a guy. So I don't care if they're stunting, if they're blitzing, or you know mm-hmm. if you're running power, you're tackling guard or doubling, and that backer come you know comes through a gap, your guard's coming off of it because that's his inside wall. Don't let no one in the wall. You know. So the learning curve went up for us when we did that. 
But I became a – I love power counter. I'll, I'll take trap if you give it to me first. Love trap. Um, that, that's my go-to on third and six. I'm gonna, if I, you're going to give me trap, I'm running trap. And then it's power counter because buck's a little more expensive to install. But when it's right, it's going to be my first play that I install because it's got all the elements of wing key in it, you know, with uh, the pullers and, and the dowel blocks and stuff. So, yeah, I, I love power, man. It's, it's life-changing if you run it right, man. And that's from a guy who didn't play. <laughs> so, so there you go. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to be the guy making that block. I mean, I have so much respect for, like, our linemen um, for getting that kind of stuff done and, if you treat those guys right, they'll do whatever they'll they'll give you everything they got. I mean, more so than the skill guys. Well, I think I've always I've asked Harper a couple of times. You know, is it more fun when you pull and blow somebody apart, or is it more fun when you double team? And I don't, I don't know. He, he I think he always kind of changes his answer. But I was about to say, who knows? Who knows what I've said before? Right now, it's the double team. <laughs> That's a lot easier, and you get to really crush somebody. So you, you know when you pull when you pull when you pull you're going against a linebacker you're supposed to you know beat linebackers all the time when you <laughs> down block you're going against a D lineman that you got to play against every snap you got a chance to kind of demoralize that guy and you know you might even pick up a linebacker as well on that double team so that's probably the best the only tough part sometimes is if you if you pancake a guy too hard then your head hits their head and you start seeing those little dots everywhere so <laughs> That that makes it tough at times, but um, that's that's when you know you you did a really good job. Then you start thinking, well, if this hurts me this much, how bad is this guy hurting? That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's the only awesome. thing that's got to go through your mind. Yeah, we don't we don't have that in golf. That <laughs> no, if you, you get, get hit, hit with something, that's a bad hit by thing. A, yeah, you get hit by a golf ball or hit by a club or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you got bigger issues if that happens than just little stars. You know, the, the, the few things I know about golf, I like the guy who has the same club length for everything. Oh, Bryce That makes DeChambeau. sense to me. What makes no sense to me is why all my clubs are different size. Now I'm well, changing you my get swing. bigger clubs. I'm you, changing you my swing clubs. for everything. Yeah, well, you're not supposed to. So maybe that's, that's the problem. <laughs> that's what it seems like. I, I'm, I'm hitting my, my eight. And and it's my hands are close to the ground, and then I've got you know whatever my five, which is my favorite, and it's a a, a lot longer. It just seems crazy. That's awesome. And <laughs> I, I never, hit my iron. I never I thought my about that. Decently. And yeah, then, I didn't think about that. Well, you, you mean you make good points, Harper, but then you talk. I mean, you listen to a guy like Faldo and them talking about it, and he's it just blows his mind. He's like he's like, how could you have touch, you know, with like your half swing shots or. You know, when you got to open the face and play like your wedges and things are around the green that to me, that that's where he's like, he goes to the other side. He's like, Hey, I get it. You know, for your full swing shots, you know, your, your, your yardages, your distances, your things like that. He's like, to me, it's like the short game. How, how crazy would that be? Cause I think, is it true or not? His wedges are all the same length too. I, I think they are. I, I think they still are. Yeah, I think they are. It's just strange, but you know, he thinks he's reinventing the game, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. The game's been played for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm not going to have any touch. New, you know? I'm not going to have any touch anyways. I just want to hit all my clubs decently well. Sounds like never you have need to, to go use... to Top Golf <laughs> And never have to use my driver. There you go. Because all it Absolutely. does is I just slice it all the time. So He's a slicer. Just go with my five. All right, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys, if you guys make it in town for a, one of my talking ball and brewery events, we'll go play golf. How about that? <laughs> okay. I'm down. 
I was going to yeah. ask you about that, Coach. You know, give you a chance here, you know, as we're, we're coming up on an hour, but talk a little bit about that. It sounds like, you know, you've had a couple of those, that, and it sounds like a really cool deal, and, and I know you're, you're going to keep doing them. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, that kind of deal that you've gotten started going up there. Yeah, uh, you know, when you go to clinics or go to glaciers and all that, I mean, where's the most fun? It usually happens in the bar or in a side room where you're drawing on stuff, and, you know, you're, you're just talking ball. And, uh, yeah, I thought, why not do that around here? I mean, I get a, I, I've got the website and I get a lot of guys emailing and I probably still get, you know, 20 to 30 emails every couple of days from guys just looking for answers because I'm just a regular guy who learned from everyone else. I didn't reinvent anything. And football is football. Um, and so I just wanted to share and, and, and kind of pick other guys' brains too. And so I threw the idea out to a couple of friends and, uh, they're like, man, what a great idea, you know. And I saw so I got a brewery right here. It's a great brewery. They're friends of mine called Byway Brewing. They got a great back room. I had the pictures on Twitter and stuff. And when everyone got there for the first one, I think it was in July, June or July was the first time we did it. I was kind of scared because I didn't have an agenda and I didn't know what they wanted. You know, I mean, I just put it out there. We're going to talk some ball, maybe some shotgun wing tea, um, have a couple beers. You can order food. We'll have our own waitress, you know, our own room. And these guys started showing up and I'm like, all right, what do you guys want to know? You know, I mean, what are you here for? And had guys from Illinois, Michigan, you know, all over. So the first one I had 11 guys and it was supposed to go, I think from noon to five, we didn't, we didn't leave that room till seven. <laughs> I mean, and it just was the easiest thing in the world. I mean, we had the huddle with the, the big screen hooked up. We had a whiteboard and guys just started talking and sharing. So then you know, some of those same guys were like, Hey, you're going to have that again. I'm like, sure. I'll have it again. You know, and it doesn't cost any, it's like 20 bucks just so we can cover the room. Um, I threw it back out there. This time I had two guys from Cincinnati, Ohio area. One of them is Don Jacobs from wingtcoach.com. So that was a big deal to have him come do it. We had three guys from a school here in Northern Indiana, about an hour and a half away called Northwood. Two years ago, they were the number one rushing team in the state of Indiana, number one or two. You know, so I'm like, wow, these guys are coming here, you know, when they're putting up 4,200 rushing yards on their own or something, something gaudy like that. And then, uh, you know, we had just guys from around here who actually follow your podcast um, religiously because we did talk about you guys and how much fun it is to listen to, to common problems everybody has. You know, not everybody wins eight state titles and everything else. Um, so this time, even a guy from Crete Monee across the, the state line here in Illinois who's had huge success, got a bunch of NFL guys, uh, a guy named John Konecki. He walked in the room and I was like, oh, holy cow, he's here? You know, like it was humbling. And again, I said, hey, I don't have an agenda. I gave a list of just stuff we could talk about. And it just flowed again. It was so easy until somebody asked me, hey, coach, can you post some notes about what you guys talked about? And I realized I couldn't remember everything we talked about, you know? <laughs> And it wasn't because of the drinking, let me get that straight, because I didn't really partake till it was over, because I was kind of in charge. But as the MC, it was just like, you know, we, somebody brought up balance, you know, we, and we talked about it a little bit. You know, they're like, well, what do you, how do you define balance? And I said, well, it's not what I see on NFL, where they've run the ball 30 times and thrown it 30 times. To me, that's not balance. And balance to me isn't strong side runs versus weak side runs, because depending on what the defense gives me that week, I might run way more strong side or way more weak side. And so it doesn't mean I got to have half and half and it's not run past half and half. So, you know, I'm standing there and I got all these, you know, 20 coaches who I respect the heck out of looking at me. 
And I said, you know, they'd put me on the spot and that's fine. I don't care. You know, I'm a big boy. And I said, uh, I said, balance to me is in that formation that I'm in or that motion or that situation, when I threaten you that I could run it to my right side, run it to my left side or throw it to either side, that's balance on that play. To me, balance is a play-by-play thing, not the whole game because I should be getting the maximum, you know, the best play possible every time anyways. And, uh, you know, so the talking ball in the brewery, I think we're going to have another one because they just have fun. I, I think 20 is about the number I want um, because everybody was sharing. You know, it was real easy compared to like a Glazier clinic where you know, everyone's just taking notes and wanting to be told something. I thought this was a, a true sharing of just great information. And it, we talked about air raid stuff and how you can incorporate it. We talked some wing tea. We talked coaching in the headsets and how you game plan and what do you scout? I mean, it could be anything they want. And it's funny, there's one that's spun off here in Northern Indiana. They're calling it Pints and Pigskin. That's going to be a cool one. That's going to be a little more like a clinic. And then there's some guys on the West Coast that listen to you who have, been, who have texted me and messaged me, hey, we can't make it to you know, the Chicago area, but would you be interested in coming out to the West Coast to do one? I'm like, heck yeah. Pay for my plane ticket. I'm coming. I'll be there. You know, it's a blast. And I, and I get to learn. You know, I mean, it's, that's what it's all about. So, so yeah, it'll be around. We'll do it again, I'm sure, because it's just too much fun not to. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like you said, that you know, that's kind of why we put this whole thing on is is we get to learn a ton of stuff. You know, we get yeah. to like like I said before we started, I, I get to clinic four hours every single week. Uh, it, it, yeah, I'm, and from my own ha- uh, my own home, so it doesn't get. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that. sure what you learned today, Rowdy, but I mean, that's that's <laughs> all right. You know? I mean, I mean by trade, I'm a CPA. I mean, I run my own business and. Uh, you know, I deal with businesses every day. So the football for me is just a great escape and a passion and I could dive into it, you know, lose myself on film for hours. It's awesome. And then, you know, I'll be at clients and I got your podcast on and then I'm <laughs> mad. I'm mad that I don't have any more to listen to, you know, cause I've already listened to them. So, what's, uh, what's, so, a, what's CPA stand for? Uh, certified public accountant. So I'm an accountant there too. You go. So so I am probably the the most unique guest on this show you guys have had. I mean, and that's all right, you know. I mean, it's that's that, what it is. That's honestly, again, when when people ask us, or sorry, yeah, ask us or talk to us. I mean, that's the reason that they they like the podcast. It's not pigeonholed on any any one deal. I mean, heck, we've had we've had high school principals on that that, that don't even coach football. You know, we've had, we've had other guys on. All they talk about, you know, is you know, strength training or body positions right. or, or running, you know. Well, you that, had the that, one guy, the, the cowboy up guy. That was good stuff. Uh, yeah. The core, about core. Remember, I think, Rowdy, you were asking a lot of questions. What? Yeah, boys core. up. Uh, yeah, Rob, Rob Williams. Williams. He's, uh, yeah. he's on our summit that's coming up. Yeah, and I thought the same thing. Like, I was, I think I was coming back from our, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference Championship down in Missouri listening to that one and you were asking questions that I would ask. And that's the great part of the podcast is you guys are just regular guys too. And you can be listening in the car and relate to all of it. And that's, that's the beauty of what you guys do. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, yeah, like I said, that's, I mean, so, some, some podcasts, it'll be scheme heavy and we're going to dive in, you know, what the one we did with, with coach Fertitta, you know, it's hardcore gap scheme power, you know, all the, all the bells and whistles. And then other ones, I mean, I think we, we had a guy on, he's coming up here in a couple of weeks. I think we talked, Rowdy and I talked baseball with him for probably 20 minutes. Oh, so, that's I, mean, awesome. I mean, it's, it is what it is. 
uh, we just like to have conversations. You know, you talk about us being able to learn. I mean, I, I have all these these composition notebooks. I sit here in my office, and and I just fill fill things up as you guys are talking. I mean, even when Coach Harper's talking, and he brings <laughs> up he brings up good points, and I'm writing those things down. You know, what, what you were saying about you know be, being in the box and getting mad, and then you know those are the those are the things that I get out of it and then by you know writing it down looking back at those things later on I mean it doesn't matter if you're CPA you know CEO big time football coach wing T double wing green jacket, gold jacket who gives yeah, a shit exactly <laughs> literally well, it does not matter I'm gonna I'm gonna learn something from every single person that that we get a chance to to talk to because they're always gonna have something that I can take from it there's no doubt about it yeah, that's awesome. And, and credit to you guys, because you just made this hour fly by in about 20 minutes, it felt like. And, and I was, I was kind of scared, a little intimidated, because one of the last ones I listened to, the guy pulled into the, it was the coach who pulled into the parking lot at the McKinney Stadium down in Texas. You know, yeah. I'm like, that's a big time dude. I mean, and what am I, gonna, what am I doing on this thing? You know, talking like, ball, man. It's yeah. awesome. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. It's awesome. So well, Coach, um, we are wrapping up an hour, and, I, and I'm sure you, you probably have uh, maybe even thought of, of your answer for this question, but what I always like to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what would they be doing that would make you think highly of their, of their offensive line coach? Yeah, I've been getting ready for that because I love listening to the answers. <laughs> um, being a gap scheme guy with the wing tee, I love watching an offensive line that just knows where they're going. I mean, I think – Compared to zone, it allows you to really just get off the ball with with a purpose and get on your track. And I love seeing, like I said earlier, when teams are stunting or a blitz shows up and that guy just gets smoked in the wash. You know, it's just because they're coming off the ball so hard. They know where they're going. They're not reading. They're just going. Um, and then the puller, when they're tight to the down block, to that inside wall, I love seeing a puller that can feel it like, you know, in wing T, they tell you you got to take two steps back and then angle in. I don't do that. Get to the wall as fast as you can. And a really good puller who's tight to those down blocks and just smokes that linebacker. I mean, that, that, that makes my heart melt right there. I love that stuff. So, so that's how I know they're well coached because they're not just going through the motions. They got feel and a purpose. And feel and a purpose is going to get you pretty far in anything. Coach, man, I know you've been a, a huge supporter of us. You know, you, you've put links and things up on your, your webpage and you've, you've pushed guys, you know, our, our direction and, and guys to interview. And like I said, you know, you've been a, a loyal listener before. So it's, it's been a blast to, to have you on. And, and as always, man, we, uh, we hope we can, uh, can hook up some time and, and ultimately do talk some ball. And, and who knows, maybe we can watch uh, Coach Harper teach us a few things on the golf course too. That, that'd be awesome. I mean, that's a dream scenario, right? <laughs> Living the dream, Coach Harper. There you go. <laughs> I'd be we'll like – uh, We'll get that handicap under 20. That'll be your dream for now. I'd be <laughs> like – I'm, I'm more like 10 cup where he breaks all of his clubs, but then he can't play with the seven iron. <laughs> Well, if you break him, you can fix him. If you throw him in the pond, you got to go get him. So keep that I'm, in mind. I'm the guy. I'm the guy on um, on Lebowski. He's obviously not a golfer. <laughs> I think stuff. that's me. Both those are me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, hey, last thing, can, can I just mention? I got that website, CoachBranks.com. Yes. And uh, you know, it's the stuff on there is free. I do those videos, and the feedback's amazing. So. You know, if somebody out there listened to this and they, they think I got something to offer, uh, a lot of that concept that I'm talking about is all of those videos on my website. There's links to it. And, uh, you know, email me, contact me. I love to share. and You know, it, it's just fun. So 
put that out there, coachbranks.com, and, and hopefully people need it. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.